So I chose that video to start off with this evening because I thought it gave us a good wrap-up, a good overall view of where sin entered and the challenge that we are faced every day with a result of it being here. How do we work through that? I, I was, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the service, I was at the, uh, the doctor for yearly physical, getting some other tests uh, run and just kind of working through some different things. And, you know, as I was, as I was doing that, um, I, you know, I have to say, you know, that going to the, to the doctor for a yearly physical, that's, that's not that, that's not that big of a deal. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's good, right? I mean, we are supposed to do that. And it, hopefully what happens is as a result of that, I wind up living longer, making wise choices, you know, finding out preemptively if there's anything I need to be aware of. That's good. I know, you know, whenever we, you know, for 14 years now, we've had small children running through our house and different things have happened where at times, you know, you wind up going to the doctor just because it's their yearly checkup and other times it's because they're sick or they're hurt. Uh, side note, you know, parents, just, just my, my view, if you go to a pediatrician that has a, a, a well side and a sick side in the waiting room, I, I'm a firm believer that the, the toys are contaminated on both sides. So just, just, just a germ freak right here. That's me. I think preventative maintenance is good. Um, I believe what uh, I've gone through this week is hopefully setting me up in a good place. I remember uh, preventative maintenance-wise, I remember one of the first really intense, probably one of the, the most, if not the most intense mission trip I've ever been a part of was shortly after Holly and I got married and we went to uh, the San Blas Islands in, off the northern coast of Panama. And uh, before we went on that adventure, we had to get a variety of shots. Uh, we had to get shots for hep A and tetanus and malaria and cholera and yellow fever. Why? Why do we do that? Uh, preventative maintenance. We, we did that so that, uh, and as it would happen, we were uh, protected and did not get those diseases. Um, I, it helped us walk through a very challenging place in a healthy way. And what I will say, what that film, I believe, showed us, that little video clip showed us, is that we still do indeed live, you see, in a challenging place. But God's Word helps us understand how to walk through it in a spiritually healthy way. You say, well, Randy, that's not anything I don't already know. I get that. Hopefully, yes, that's probably true. But my my guess is we're all in different stages of the journey here tonight. And if nothing else, this might just be a good reminder for us, a good refresher of where we are to go as we are challenged in this this crazy world we live. I would say Proverbs fourteen twelve uh, says says it all. This internal fight that we have as well. You know, it's not so much that there's just sin all around us, but we're fighting an internal fight. In Proverbs chapter fourteen verse twelve, it says, "There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death." And that is the diagnosis. You see, um, we, we we know what the problem is. Um, the diagnosis is, is, is death. That sin brings eternal death if we do not by faith receive, as the video showed us, uh, receive Christ as the answer for our sin problem. 
The diagnosis is described in Romans 6.23 this way, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned. You see, we all have this in us. How do we handle that? How do we? Sin is not only this destructive force, though, in and around us. It's also on the earth. And as it is working its way throughout families and circumstances and situations, there leaves this aftermath of broken families and friendships and turmoil and physical health and emotional health. And the list goes on and on and on. We see the signs everywhere. The symptoms pop up in each one of our lives, much like we, whenever we go to the doctor's office, sit down and are visiting with the doctor, and the doctor says, well, tell me what the symptoms are. And we say, oh, I've been running this fever, right, for X amount of days. Okay, well, that's a sign of something. That's a sign of maybe infection that's running through our body, right? And in the same way, there are a variety of different symptoms, that we see across our lives and in other people's lives and all around the world and people. And whether those symptoms are pride or greed or envy or anger or lust or gluttony or sloth, we can stop right there and just say, whoa, wait a minute, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven deadly sins. That's not just like a video, right? That's actually what early church fathers described as maybe some some categories, major categories of sin. I would argue that you could almost just really erase all of them but one and just stick pride up there as one big, huge category and say, you know what, what is pride? It's what I want because I am all that really matters rather than what God wants because really it's what He is who he is. What really matters is his glory and his name. But even those considered saints or apostles or church leaders, you know, they those 40 some odd people who had a portion of this love letter that God used them to help construct, they owned this struggle as well, and they spoke about it as Paul did. In Romans chapter 7, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And we end up in this, in this turmoil, this struggle. And it's very real. We're doing the things we don't want to do and not doing the things that we should do. And so here's, here's Randy driving up into the Lowe's parking lot. And so I, I get out. I'm going to return one thing. One thing. And I go to the return line. And you can almost, you can create this story without even me tell, telling it. There's one person in front of me. And this person has a few things there on the counter and then all of a sudden keeps pulling more things out and more things out. And what I've discovered is, I don't know whether this is a contractor or just an overachieving homeowner who's, you know, whatever it is. But he is now returning virtually every size of bolt and screw that Lowe's carries. And this lady behind the counter is meticulously picking up each one and measuring it on the little book to figure out the number, which has about 48 different numbers to plug in, to say, okay, we got that one. How many of those? 
Okay, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, okay, am I wearing anything that says Jesus or Rock Point? Because it's about to get ugly. No, I didn't, I didn't think that. Well, maybe I'd, I wouldn't tell you if I did. You know, uh, in that moment, though, it's like things start to well up inside of you. Like, why won't somebody else come to another cash register? Why, is there something else I could be doing with my time? And I'm becoming impatient, and I'm getting mad, and I'm like, whoa, all this stuff, right? I shouldn't be thinking that. I shouldn't be acting that way. We live our life confronted with all types of those scenarios where we want to do what we're not doing. We're not doing what we want to do. There's this constant battle. So how do we handle that? You know, oftentimes what we choose to do is just self-medicate. We choose to just go it alone and try to figure it out on our own to handle the disease of sin. What are some of these homemade remedies that we choose? Well, one is we just ignore it. This may include avoiding God or at least attempting to or putting on our sin cancellation headphones, right? And we just kind of turn it up so that we don't have to deal with it, hopefully, attempting to stay away from any source of conviction that may come our way. Another one, uh, we, we just try harder. We, we do more, we become more active in the church even. We become more active in the community. We just try to do so much more because surely I can overwhelm the, the, the times that I fail with the times that I succeed. A, th- a third one, we just treat the symptom. We don't really go to the source. You say, well, I, what I'm going to do is, I, I know I've got a problem with that, and so I'm just going to read a book about managing my feelings. Or I'm going to just stay away from that person. Because you know, that's the best thing. Not to actually deal with the issue, I'm just going to stay away from them. I'm going to put lots of protection on my kid's phone because that way we can, just, we can just handle it. Can I just tell you, you can't put enough protection on your kid's phone. Now, if you're not putting protection on your kid's phone, then you're, well, you're stupid. But that, did I say stupid? I'm sorry. I, I meant that. Um, but here's the thing. It's not just about protection, you see. Again, that's just, create, that's just trying to treat the symptom. The reality is what we want to do is we want to make sure that God is using us to capture our kids' hearts for him. You see, that it's really about our heart wanting to please him in everything that we see and think and do. And so, see, when our kids have that in their heart as that desire, then whatever protection or accountability stuff we stick on a phone, that's just extra beyond where we really want ourselves and our spouses and our kids to be in our relationship with God. But too often, we just treat the symptoms or we just feel guilty. We just feel like we have this huge scarlet letter A inside We just beat ourselves up all the time and we dwell on our sin and we allow yesterday to rob us of today's opportunities to start fresh, to disciple, to mentor, to be holy, to live a new normal, to start over. Because what we're focused on is the past and all the failures. Oftentimes we just transfer our guilt to others. We play the comparison game. It makes us feel so much better. You see, if we could just blame others for how we ended up. Or we can compare our sin to somebody else's and say, well, at least I'm not doing that. At least I'm not seeing that. At least I haven't done that. Well, do you see how their marriage is? 
Well, do you see how their kids are? And we start to compare. Because you see, that's, that's, that's a remedy. Before we get, though, into what the results of our remedies are, what I want to do is I want to give you a reason for why I'm about to go to a passage. Because the passage that we're going to look at, and it's going to be kind of sporadic, we're going to go into it a couple of different ways, is the book of Hebrews. And we're really going to look mainly in chapter 12. And, And the reason why we're going to go there is because what happens in the book of Hebrews is it was written to these Jewish Christians Right? And, and, and they're struggling in their faith. They're still infant in their faith. And what's happened with them is that they're really struggling with really making sure that Christ is the anchor of it all. And so the writer of Hebrews, he, he steps in and says, okay, first of all, let me just remind you again of who Jesus is. And he reminds them of the sufficiency and supremacy of Christ takes them back to Old Testament prophecies that have been fulfilled that prove who Jesus is, how he is superior to angels and Moses and Melchizedek, a high priest that they greatly revered. The writer shows them how Christ's sacrificial death and resurrection brings us eternal life and life on this earth the way that we were designed to live it. And then he steps into chapter 11 and starts to walk through, right, that whole heroes of faith. We did a whole series on that. And then continuing on into chapter 12, he speaks about this persevering faith. And he speaks about how we are to keep our eyes focused in on Christ and to not allow the things of this world and sin to easily entangle and encumber us. And in the rest of chapter 12, he really unpacks for us, listen, this is how you do it and this is how you don't. It's almost like it's the doctor who's writing out the script for us. And he's saying, okay, you came to see me. And the challenge is that you are getting beaten up with sin. Let me tell you what the remedy is. Let me, let me, let me magnify for you what, you what you're doing that's not working just in case you don't see it. And let me tell you some things that will work. And the reason they'll work is because, again, if we're going to think of it in terms of Christ, they are truly anchored in him. And so, what are the results of our remedy? What does Hebrews say? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it speaks about obtaining, about failing to obtain the grace of God. You see, in our own remedies, pick any one of those. If we start to travel down those roads or a number of them, what ends up happening is we fail to find God's blessings. We fail to find God's blessing. Yeah, the, the, the verse in verse 15 uh, says, uh, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. A trans, another translation puts it this way, that no one misses the grace of God. What blessings do we miss? His will, his plan for us. We miss the joy because you see, there is no joy when we are bound to a list of do's and don'ts. What does his grace bring us? Maybe freedom? Living in forgiveness? Um, 
So on Monday, Joe Edwards and I are headed back to Cuba again for uh, another trip there, and, and, uh, and part of our trip, we'll be hanging out with uh, uh, our church planter friend, Johnny, who we, I told you about uh, a while back. Uh, we met him in last April. He and his wife are the ones that moved into the dump, traded their house uh, for uh, somebody in the community who was living, basically, who had turned their house into a dump, and they moved into the dump and cleaned it all up and built a structure there, and now two and a half, three years later, their house has a church that's attached to the back of it, and out of that church right now, this less than three-year-old church, our church is helping sponsor 37 churches. Can you wrap your brain around that for a second? 37 churches are being planted right now out of that man's backyard, and we get the beautiful experience of hanging out with him and these church planters and encouraging them and going to some of their services and preaching and being a part of that. And I just got a question for you. What if Johnny and his wife had just driven by or walked by or rode their bike or however they got there and said, no, that's, you know what, we're, it's really all about us and what we want. I mean, that's really, it's what matters is what, instead of, okay, God, what do you want? Oh, you want us to go there? I can tell you what he would have missed. He would have missed being a part of one of the greatest spiritual movements maybe that's ever been in the city of Holguin. As lives are being transformed and his home, his literal house is the epicenter. See, we miss the blessing, right? If we're not tuned in, if we're not obedient, then possibly we miss living what it is that God wants us to do and be. Maybe the blessing of peace of forgiveness, instead of maybe fear or guilt or embarrassment. Look at that verse again. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. You see, another result of our own remedy for sin is that we we end up growing a root of bitterness Usually we see this because we believe someone in the way that we, we, we relate to other people. Maybe because we believe they've treated us wrongly. Or maybe we've taken on the offense of another person. We believe they've treated somebody else wrongly. And it's easy to do, especially if the person has treated someone that you love wrongly. And if we're not careful, we can allow that root of bitterness, right, to rise up inside of us and you go oh no 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 that 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 that's that's not me is there a name that you could speak right now that starts to make you angry in my in my uh in my health i i stopped running regularly for a period of time and you know what I, anytime that happens to me you know what i start to feel i start to feel more sluggish uh, i start to see the signs of neglect and, and, and worst case scenario, I mean, you're thinking, worst case scenario, I mean, hey, listen, if I stop running, the worst case scenario is I got a lot more free time to do more productive things. I know, I know some of you non-runners think that way. I get it. I, in my running mindset, I think if I'm not running regularly, the challenge that I feel like I have is that I start to not feel as, health, as, as healthy as I could be. I wonder if my heart is, is as healthy as it needs to be. I wonder if I'm not now able to eat as much ice cream as I think I should be able to. 
seeing if you're still listening. That's an important one. What's the worst case scenario with bitterness in our lives? Isn't it that relationships get destroyed? That our relationship with God becomes distant? That we lose joy, maybe spiritual desire? It's not good. Another result of taking our eyes off of Christ as it relates to the sin issue that we all face. Romans 12, 16 says this. It says that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent though he sought it with tears. You see we end up living for immediate pleasure and not lasting benefit. What happened in that story? Remember that story? What happens is Esau sells his inheritance rights to Jacob for what? For a meal. His inheritance for a meal. That would have been a good day for him to fast. Immediate pleasure. You get more stuff. What's the result? Credit card debt. You get angry. What's the result? Ulcer. High blood pressure. Severed relationships, words you can't get back. We end up living for immediate pleasure and not lasting benefits. Another one. um, We stop listening to God. Hebrews 12, 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. When we we try all of these self-help remedies as it results to sin in our life, you know what happens? We start to get real uncomfortable with God and church small group. We begin to focus on negative things. People start asking, well, where have they been? Somebody else says, oh, I'm sure they've just been real busy. Ah, well, there's a lot of services. They probably came to one of them. Another result of our remedy is that we just watch as earthly stuff gets consumed. Look at this verse uh, in, in chapter 12, verse 27. Uh, what he speaks about there is about this, uh, this unshakable kingdom. And, and the phrase yet once more that he uses in this passage, and we, we won't read it right now, but it indicates the removal of things that are, that are shaken. That is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And as you look and dive into Hebrews 12, what you find the writer basically saying to us in this little short phrase is, listen, what I want you to know is that yes, our God is a consuming fire and he consumes in a variety of different ways and know this, that at the end of the day, there are temporal things that will be consumed and there are things that will last and they are the things of God. So make sure that you as the writer, as the gospel writer put it, are building your house on a solid foundation with the principles and the actions and the attitudes that we have. We are all consumers, but our God is a consuming fire. He is the ultimate consumer, and out of his holiness and justice and discipline flowing out of his love for us, one way or another, God grabs our attention, reminding us of what really matters. One other result of our remedy, and this kind of covers it all, (laughs) is Proverbs 14, 12. Again, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death, One more, we destroy and we are destroyed. That's a pretty gloom and doom picture, isn't it? It's like, wow. Well, what's the answer? Well, we know 
But God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We know 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us for, from all unrighteousness. What is God's prescription that we confess it? Just as that verse mentioned, that we say, God, this is me, the angry one, the impatient one, the lustful one, the slothful one. This is me. This is what I've been. This is who I've been. This is what I've done. You say, well, doesn't God know those things? I mean, he's God, right? He does. He's been watching. He is a part of every moment of our lives. But the amount that we step into that moment and confess it takes us to a place with him. Takes us to a place with him and with us of understanding our next step. And our next step is the repent. It's the seeking forgiveness and taking a 180 and saying, you know what? I'm not going to keep going that direction. I'm not going to keep looking at that. I'm not going to keep thinking about that. I'm not going to keep allowing that person to get a foothold in my life in the way that they have. No, no, no. I'm not going to. I'm going to turn around. And I'm going to stay connected to the word and to the body of Christ. And I'm going to live a life of worship to God. And you say, well, what are the scriptures for those? Our, our scriptures here, we don't have time to read all that is there. But we'll, we'll look at a couple before we close. John eight thirty one. Jesus just says these words. He says, how do you do this? Listen, if you abide in me, the truth will set you free. As Jesus is the truth, when I stay connected to the vine, when I stay connected to him, the truth brings freedom. Freedom from the sin, as the Hebrews writer describes, that so easily entangles us. So a few personal checkup questions. Because, you know, it's important for us to have those. It's important for us to have those in the same way that it's important for us to constantly be doing the checkup about what the doctor mentioned to us before we left the office. Am I really exercising? Am I drinking enough water? How's my diet? Am I getting my heart rate up? Am I doing things that are contributing to my physical health? Am I doing things that take me to the proper place of spiritual health? Some checkup questions and then we'll close. Number one, am I pursuing peace with others? Again, this writer in Hebrews is, is still after this. He's still saying, listen, here's where I want you to go. Here's what I want you to be thinking about. These are the problems. This is what you've been doing. Here's what you need to do. Am I pursuing peace with others? Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Am I pursuing peace at home, at work, in my small group, at church, on my team, in the neighborhood? Am I a person of peace? Or when I step into the situation, do things just get more stirred up? Are things coming out of my mouth to another person that's not even remotely related to the issue and that person is not the solution? They're not going to be a part of the solution. They don't need to be in it. But you know what? I'm stepping into it with them. Why? Well, for a variety of different reasons, potentially. But ultimately, because I'm not following a path of peace. Number two, am I pursuing holiness? The Jewish audience of this letter knew the requirements for entering the temple. It was holiness. It was clean. It was purity. The writer is reminding them and us. That sin blocks God from doing what he wants to do in us and through us. He writes in 
uh, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, For this is the will of God, that your sanctification, that your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. It's at this point that we would just say, God created me a clean heart. Oh, Lord, my God, in my intake of media, in my words and attitudes, the places I go, what I do, this week, God, I choose to pursue holiness. And as I pursue holiness, God, I know what that really means is I am pursuing you. I am, as Hebrews describes in chapter 12, verse 1, setting my eyes on Christ. Number three, am I listening to God? What's God been trying to tell me through his word, through his people, through creation? Hebrews 2.1 says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Number four, am I living life with a correct understanding of God? What's your view of God? Is he sitting back just saying, okay, impress me. Why don't you prove that you love me? Is he passive, not really caring about the details of your life? Is he absent? Did he just, do you feel like he just gave up on you a long time ago? Is he just wanting to, to spank you into shape with some big heavenly paddle? Is that your view of God? Is he saying, look, I'll focus back on you again when you clean yourself up, okay? Or is he love and compassion and mercy and grace and holy and a consuming fire and the seas obey him and he is awesome and powerful. He has victory over death. He is creator of life. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment and I want, you, I want to read these scriptures about who God is as we close. I want you to listen. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. He is worthy to be worshipped. Psalm 34, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. God, do I worship you and recognize you in awe and amazement. And as I live that way, Am I living with a lack of no good things? Exodus 3, 5. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. With your eyes closed, I want you to picture with me just a moment Jesus' encounter with this woman in John chapter 8 that's been caught in adultery. They're about to stone her as the law would have prescribed. You see, that was their remedy for sin. But it missed the grace of God. And grace himself walked into that moment. And he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Because you see, everyone dropped their stones and walked away when they were confronted with the reality of Jesus. She said, no one, Lord. 
And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. So tonight, maybe what we needed to hear more than anything else, maybe what Randy needed to hear more than anything else was just that our God invites us to a new day. That he invites us into relationship with him. And that what he's calling us to do is to see sin the way that he does. Something to run from, something to flee from, something to stop doing, and then to run to Jesus. It's really that simple. So what is it that needs to stop? And how do you need to run to Jesus tonight? Father, I just pray the words that were spoken tonight, hopefully, prayerfully, (laughs) brought us back again into clarity about sin. That it's nothing for us to play with or play around. That God, that we fail, but as we do, your invitation is with forgiveness for us to step back in your direction. God, thank you for providing the ultimate answer to our sin problem through your son, Jesus Christ. And as we take communion together, God, may it be a sweet fragrance of worship for you. As we remember, as we are thankful. God, may we walk away from this place not treating symptoms, but really just going to the core. And God, will you just capture our heart? Will you just capture our heart, God? That we would fall more in love with you. That we would love the things that you love and be about the things that you're about. God, may that be the greatest prescription that could be written for us. Thank you, God, for this moment as we conclude our worship. In giving with boxes in the back, if you're a visitor and you have joined us in worship, we invite that card to be placed in the back before you leave. Some information about you and a way that we can give you some more information about us. A time of communion here at the front is available to you at this time as we remember and are thankful for the gift of Jesus as we conclude our worship together.